What? Curveball? That last chapter. Anyways, like I said, it's just clear I haven't read these ones very much because they look brand new. Diane Palmer's book, Donovan, Chapter 3. They got through the rest of the day without showing too much of her heartache. She had hopes that Donovan might have felt something for her, but he dashed those very efficiently. He couldn't have made it more obvious that he wanted no part of her or her moneyed background. He wouldn't believe that she had to work. Well, of course, she didn't, really, but he might have given her the benefit of the doubt. It hadn't been a terrible shock to learn that he was J.D. Langley. He did live down to his publicity. Later, she found out that Donovan was his middle name and what he was called locally, except by people who did business with him. She certainly understood why the Ballingers hated to see him coming. She was sorry about his hostility because the first time she'd ever seen him, there had been a tenderness between them that she'd never experienced. It must have all been on one side, though, she decided miserably. Well, she told herself as she lay trying to sleep that night, she'd do better to stop brooding and con concentrate on her own problems. She had enough without adding the formidable Mr. Langley to them. But fate was conspiring against her. The next day, she tried a new cafeteria in Jagusville, came face to face with J.D. Langley as she sat down with her tray. Gave her a glare that would have stopped traffic. He obviously just finished his meal. He was draining his coffee cup. Faye turned her chair so that she wasn't looking directly at him. With unsteady hands, took her food off the tray. I told you yesterday, Donovan said at her shoulder, that I don't like being chased. Then you listen. The whip of his voice cut. Not only that, it was loud enough to attract attention from other diners in the crowded room. Face face went red as she glanced at him apprehensively, her green eyes huge as they met the fierce, slobbering glitter of his. I didn't know you were going to be here, she began uneasily. No, he challenged, his smile and insult in itself. He didn't recognize my car sitting in the parking lot. Give it up, debutante. I don't like bored little rich girls, so stop following me around. Got that? He turned and left the cafeteria. <sighs> Faye was too humiliated by the unwanted attention to enjoy most of her meal. She left quickly and went back to work, following him around. Indeed, she muttered to herself while she had fed data into her computer. She didn't know what kind of car he drove. The only vehicle she'd seen him in was a battered gray pickup truck. Had he forgotten? Perhaps he thought she'd seen his car when he'd come to the feedlot, but she hadn't. The more she saw him, the less she liked him, and she'd hardly been hounding him. She certainly wouldn't again. He could bank on that. Abby came in the next afternoon with an invitation. Calhoun and I have to go to a charity ball tonight. I know it's spur of the moment, but would you like to come? Will my uncle be there, do you think? Yes, I hardly think so, Abby grinned. Come on. You've been moping around here for two days. It will be good for you. You can ride with us. And there's a very nice man I want to introduce you to when we get there. He's unattached, personable, and rich enough to not mind that you are. Uh, Mr. Langley, I heard what happened in Cole's Cafe. Abby grins. J.D. doesn't go to charity balls, so you aren't likely to run into him there. Thank God. He was so kind to me that night. I met him, but he's been terrible to me ever since. I only wanted to thank him. He thinks I have designs on him. She shuddered, as if I'd ever chase a man in my life. You're not J.D.'s kind of woman, Faye, the older woman said gently. Your wealth alone would keep him at bay without the differences in your ages. J.D. is in his early 30s, and he doesn't like younger women. I don't think he likes any women, favorite Bible side, especially me. But I wasn't chasing him, honestly. Don't let him worry you. 
You sure he won't be here to be there tonight? Absolutely positive, Abby assured her. Prophetic words, Abby Cameron picked Faye up at her apartment house and drove her to the elegant Whitmer estate where the charity ball was already in progress. Faye was wearing a long white silk dress with one shoulder bare and her hair in a very elegant braided bun atop her head. She looked young and fragile and very rich. They went through the receiving line and Faye moved ahead of Cowan and Abby to the refreshment table while they spoke to an acquaintance. She bumped into someone and turned to apologize. Again, J.D. Langley asked the vicious well, my God, do you have radar? Faye didn't say a word. She turned and went back toward Abby and Calhoun, her heart <coughs> Sorry. Her heart pounding in her chest. Abby spotted J.T. and Grimace. I didn't know, she told Shadow Faye. I swear I didn't. Here you stick close to us. We won't bother you. Come on, I'll introduce you to Bart. And that will solve all your problems. I'm sorry, Faye. It wasn't your fault. It's fate, I guess, she said dryly along her eyes. Although her eyes were troubled. <laughs> Arrogant beast, Abby Butter spared the tall, elegant man in the dinner suit a speaking glance. If he was a little less conceited, you wouldn't have this problem, she drew Faye forward. Here he is, Bart, the thin, lazy looking man with wavy blonde hair and mischievously blue eyes turned as his name was called. He greeted Abby warmly and glanced at Faye with open curiosity and delight. Well, well, great goddesses are back in style again, I see. Do favor me with a waltz before you set off for Mount Olympus, fair damsel. This, this is our newest employee, Faye York. She introduced him, Faye. This is Bartlin Markham. He's president of the local Cattlemen's Association. Nice to meet you, she said, sitting here. Do you know cattle? I grew up on a ranch. I work for a firm of accountants now. But my family still has a pretty for, for, formidable Santa Cruz bread operation. I don't know much, but I'm learning every day. Faye left. I'll leave her with you, Bart, Abby said. Do keep her away from J.D., will you? He seems to think she's stalking him. Do tell, his eyes livered up and grinned. Why not stalk me instead? I'm much better catch than J.D., and you won't need preventative shots if you go out with me either. <laughs> Insinuating that she would with J.D., she thought. Rabies, probably, she amused venomously. In case he bit her, she smiled at Bart, feeling happier already. Consider yourself on the endangered species list, then, she said he laughed. Gladly, he glanced toward the man. Would you like to dance? Charmed, she gave him her hand and he led her to the dance floor, where a live band was playing a bluesy two-step. She knew exactly where J.D. Langley was, as if she really did have radar, so she was careful not to look in that direction. He noticed it was impossible not to when she was dancing with one of his bitterest enemies. He stood quietly against the wall, his silver eyes steady and unblinking as he registered the fluid grace with which she followed her partner's steps. It didn't. He didn't like the way Markham was holding her, or the way she was responding. Not that he wanted her, he assured himself. She was nothing but another troublesome woman, a debutante at that. In over ten years, his junior. He had no use for her at all, and he's made sure she knew it. Their one evening together had sent him cheering away in the opposite direction. 
She appealed to him terribly, couldn't afford an involvement with a society girl. He knew he was better off alone, so keeping this tempting little morsel away from him became imperative. If he had to savage her to do it, it was still the best thing for both of them. She was much too soft and delicate for a man like himself. He'd break her spirit and her heart because he had nothing to give, and his father's reputation in the community made it impossible for him to be seen in public with her in any conjugal way. He accused her of stalking him, but gossip would have it the other way around. Another money-crazy Langley, critics would scuff out to snare himself a rich wife. He groaned, that's just a thought. He didn't like seeing her with Markham, but there was nothing he could do about it. Shouldn't have come tonight. He turned away to the refreshment table and poured himself a glass of scotch. You aren't really after Donovan, are you? Bart asked humorously. He flatters himself. She said oddly. That's what I thought. Like father, like son, he said unpleasantly. I don't understand. He made a graceful turn, carrying her with him as the music tempo increased. After Donovan's mother died, Rand Langley got into a financial tangle and was about to lose his ranch. My aunt was very young then, plain and shy, but she was filthy rich and single, so Rand set his cap for her. He kept after her until he seduced her, so that she had to marry him or disgrace her family. She was crazy about him worshipped the ground he walked on, then inevitably she found out why he really married her, and she couldn't live with it. She killed herself. Bigram is, I'm sorry. So were all of us, he had a coldly glaring at J.D. Langley's back. Rand didn't even come to the funeral. He was too busy spending her money. He died a few years later, and believe me, none of us grieved for him. That wasn't Donovan's fault, she felt bound to point out. Blood will tell, came the unbelievable reply. You're well to do. Yes, but he can't stand me. She replied, I don't believe that. I can't imagine J.D. passing up a rich woman. How many has he dated over the years? She asked with pain irritation. I don't keep up with his love life, he said tersely. And all his pretty dresses showed quite clearly. Faye could see that he wouldn't believe a kind word about J.D. Langley if he had proof. The two of you don't get along, I gather. We disagree on just about everything, especially on his ridiculous theories about cattle raising. He added sarcastically, no, we don't get along. She was quiet after that. Now she understood the situation. It couldn't have mid been made clearer. She danced with several elegant bachelors and several married men before the evening ended. Surprised her that J.D. Langley was still present. He remained on the fringes of the dance floor talking to other men. He asked no one to dance. Faye was sadly certain that he wouldn't ask her. But in that, she was surprised. The band was playing a soft love song, and she watched Bart glance in her direction. But before he could get across the room, Donovan suddenly swung her into his arms and onto the dance floor. Her heart skipped wildly. She felt the firm clasp of his hand on her waist, his fingers steely as they linked her own. This is not a good idea, she said firmly. I think you're encouraging me. Not likely, but by now Bart's filled you in, hasn't he? He replied with a mocking smile. She averted her eyes to the white ruffled shirt he wore under his dinner jacket. On other men might look effeminate. On Donovan, it looked masculine and very sexy, emphasizing his dark good looks. I got an earful, thanks, she replied. He shook her gently. Stiff as a board, he mused, looking down at her. Are you afraid to let your guard down? There's very little I could do to you on a dance floor in front of half of Jacobsville. You've made your opinion of me crystal clear, Mr. Langley. She said without looking up, I haven't been stalking you, as you put it, but you're free to think what you'd like. Do you try to remember that I didn't ask you to dance? <laughs> that was the whole purpose of the exercise, he said carelessly. 
to make sure you didn't set your cap for me. Then why are you dancing with me? His lean arm whipped her close on a turn, but he didn't let her go afterward. His dark face was all too close so that she could smell his tangy aftershave and his silver eyes bent into hers upon Blimmery. Don't you know? He asked at her lips. Her heart tipped as she felt his breath. Oh, I see, she said to him. You're trying to irritate Bart. He lifted his head. And one eye broke her. Is that it? What else? She asked with nervous laugh, inverting her eyes to fuming Bart nearby. Listen, I'm not going to be used for a vendetta by you or your hissing kids. His fingers curled into her ears, into hers, and drew them to his broad chest. The rose and fell heavenly, and he stared over her dark head without seeing I don't have any vendettas, he said quietly, but I won't be accused of following in my father's footsteps. She could feel the pain in those tears' words, but she didn't remark on it. Her eyes closed, and she drank in the delicious masculine scent of him. I won't be rich for another week or two, she murmured. Until the legal work goes through, I'm just a temporary secretary. He laughed in spite of himself. I'll see. For two weeks, you're on my level. No Mercedes, no miss, no mansion, no padded checkbook. Something like that, she sighed and snuggled closer. How about a wild, passionate affair? We could throw the coats on the closet floor, and you could have your way with me under somebody's silver fox soul. <laughs> He burst out laughing. His steely arm drew her close as he made a sudden turn, and her body throbbed with the sensation it caused in her untired body. Hasn't anyone told you yet that I belong to two animal rights groups? So? You're the one of those people who protest lab animal experiments that save little children's lives and throw paint on people who wear fur coats? She has their temper rising. Not me. I'm not fanatic. I just think animals have the right to humane treatment, even in medical facilities. His arm tightened. As for throwing paint on fur coats, a few lawsuits should stem that habit. <laughs> the idea is to stop further slaughter of wild animals. Fur coat is already a dead animal. She <laughs> should you make it sound morbid. <laughs> Once over I knew. Do you wear fur? She chuckled. I can't. Fur makes me break out and hide. She began to smile. A rich girl with no fur. What a tragedy. I have plenty of velvet coats. Thanks very much. I think they're much more elegant than fur. And they don't shed. She moved closer. Shocked when his hand caught her hip and contracted painfully. Ouch. She protested. He moved back in. Don't push your luck. He said his voice low, faintly threatening, like he's going to run. You're pretty sexy in that little number you're wearing, and I'm easily aroused. Want me to prove it? No, thanks. She said quickly, I'll take your word for it. He laughed as he spun around in a neat turn for a sophisticated debutante. Sometimes you're a contradiction. Is that a blush? It's hot in here. Uh, the conventional excuse. He leaned close, brushed his cheek against her. Too bad you're rich. Is it? Why? She asked in a tone that sounded unfortunately all too breathless. He nibbled gently on her because I'm dynamite in bed. Do tell. She hit her face against him. Are you? She whispered secondly. His lean hand slid up her back. Due to the curled hair in her nap, he dressed gently while he held her, the music washing over them in sultry silence. So I've been told. His chin rubbed softly against her temple, his breath coming roughly. But why take someone else's word for it? She forced to laugh. Isn't this a little sudden? I mean, just a day ago, you were giving me hell for eating lunch in the same restaurant with you. I'm sure Bart told you the problem. Rich, you're right off my Christmas list. Poor, you're an endangered species. His hand contracted, coaxing her face up to his glittering eyes. Should I cut and run? She asked her voice. Do you really want to? 
he whispered. As he spoke, he moved closer, and his powerful thighs brushed hers, even through all the layers of fabric. She felt the imprint of them, the strike. His hand slid down her back to her waist and pulled very gently so that she was pressed right up to him. Wilted from breast to thigh, he washed her eyes, and something masculine and arrogant kindled in his gaze. He felt a faint shiver of suffering. Do you like Chinese food? Yeah, she nodded. I like to drive up to Houston for it. There's a good restaurant just inside the city limits. How about it? There are, are you asking me out? Sounds like it. He mused. Don't expect steak and lobster. I make a good salary, but it doesn't run the champagne. She called her first. Please don't. She said quickly, I'm not like that. He touched her patient. Yes, I know. It makes it harder. You think I enjoy hurting you? He asked harshly, and for an instant, something showed in his eyes that startled her. He looked like, There's no future for us, little one. She felt him hesitating. Any second, he was going to take back that supper and invitation. Just Chinese food? She jumped, one slender hand poking him gently in the ribs. He started, <laughs> and she grinned at him. And no moonlight seduction on the way home, she added. As you said, it isn't wise to start things we can't finish. I could finish that, he murmured dryly. She leered him. Well, I don't take chances. I'll risk my stomach with you, but not my heart. He cocked an eyeball. Does that mean that making love with me might enslave you? He teased. Exactly. Besides, I never sleep with a man on the first date. That was the faintest moment, movement of his eyelashes. He murdered his gaze to a point beyond her head. Could admit that it bothered him, thinking of her with another man. She was a debutante and filthy rich. Surely there had been a steady stream of suitors. She might have more experience even than he did. He'd never thought about a woman's past before. It had never occurred to him to wonder how experienced his lover of the evening actually was. But with Faye, he wondered, What's wrong? She asked curiously. He glanced down at her. She looked very innocent until she smiled. And then her eyes crinkled and there was a sophistication in them that made him feel cool. Nothing. That's usually the woman's line, isn't it? <laughs> Equal rights here, my Friday night, I'll pick you up at six. I don't live with Uncle Henry anymore. I know where you live. We'll eat Chinese food and you can show me what you know. It should be quite an experience. Long after the dance was over and she was back in her apartment, she worried over the last statement. She felt as if she were about to get in well over her head. She wanted Donovan more than she ever wanted anything in her life. A date with him was the gold at the end of the rainbow. But she pretended to be something she wasn't, and she didn't know what she was going to do if he took her up on it. Abby noticed his face preoccupation, preoccupation the next day when she stopped by to see him. You're positively more so, let me explain. What's wrong? Donovan asks me out. There I was one on JD asked you out, but he hates rich women. Yes, I know. I told him I was going to be poor for two more weeks, so I guess he thought I was safe enough until my hair knits come through. I see. Abby didn't say anything. What did you get into? She, be she began to look worried herself. Faye, I never thought to mention that because JD was giving you such a hard time, but he's something of a womanizer. I figured that out for myself, she murmured with a smile. It shows. He's a gentleman in his way. Just don't give him too much rope. He'll hang you with it. I know that, too. I'll be careful. Let me hesitate. If it helps, I know how you feel. I was crazy about Calhoun. But he liked a different kind of woman altogether. We had a very rocky path to the altar. He's crazy about you, though. Anyone can see that. Abby smiled contently. Of course he is. But it wasn't always that way. Donovan already said that he doesn't want commitment. I'm not going to get my hopes up. But an evening out with him? Well, 
It's gonna be like Russian heaven, you know? <laughs> I do indeed, Abby smiled. Remember her first date with Calhoun? She glanced at Cafe, her eyes wistful. She only hoped their newest employee wasn't gonna be badly hurt. Everyone locally knew that J.D. Langley wasn't a marrying man, but Abby would have bet her prize bull that Faye wasn't innocent as Abby herself had once been. If she was, she had a lot of heartache in store. When J.D. found out, and he would, he dropped Faye like a hot rock. Innocence were not his style. Faye went through the motions of working like a zombie for the next week, with a dull and tedious weekend in between that did little for her nerves. Donovan didn't come by the feedlot at all, and when she left the office the next Friday afternoon, she still hadn't heard from him. For all she knew, he might have forgotten all about her. Her phone was ringing in, but as she got in the door, she grabbed the receiver as if it was a life preservative. Hello, she said breathlessly. I'll be by in an hour. You haven't forgotten, Donovan dropped. How could I? She asked Eddie mischievously. I love Chinese food. He chuckled. That puts me in my place, I guess. <laughs> See ya. He hung up in Faye ran dress. The only thing in her closet that would suit a fairly casual evening out was a pale green silk suit, and she hated wearing it. It screamed big money. Something sure to set Donovan's teeth on edge. But other than designer jeans and a silk blouse or an evening gown, it was all she had. The cotton pantsuit she wore to work today was too wrinkled and stained to wear out tonight. It wouldn't have been suitable anyway. She teamed the silk suit with a nice cotton blouse and sat down to wait. After renewing her makeup, she only hoped that he wasn't going to take one look at her and run. If he didn't throw her over entirely, she was going to have to invest in some medium-priced clothing. <laughs> End of chapter 3.